Morning everyone, it's been a 007 back for another 10 minute movie review and today I am talking about one of the most anticipated film releases of the autumn which is Martin Scorsese's Killers of the Flower Moon. This is an Apple TV Plus release so it's going to have a limited run in cinemas from this weekend, 20th of October and will be on Apple TV at some point thereafter, I would imagine, in November. This is a big film in every sense of the word. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. It's made by Martin Scorsese. The story is big. It's tragic. It's real true crime. But it's also big in length. This is a film that is three and a half hours long, and I think how you rate it and how you feel about it really depends on how you experience it. My key takeaway is that every single frame of this film is perfection, as you would expect from Martin Scorsese. But to sit in a theatre and watch this for three and a half hours straight, which is how I experienced it at the London Film Festival, was really tiring and really long and really sapped your energy and it made it less compelling than it should have been. I know that when this comes to cinemas, that some of them are going to introduce an intermission so you can get up, use the loo, just shake yourself off mentally. I still think it's going to be a pretty hard watch to do it in that way, which is a shame because I truly believe that the cinematic experience is always better. It's better to watch on a big screen and to have a really great sound system, especially for Robbie Robertson's superb score. So my recommendation to all of you listening, and it hurts my heart to say this, is watch this phenomenal film at home on Apple TV Plus if you have it, and self-curate this into two films. So watch it over two nights, watch the first half, which is roughly two hours, up until the point that Jesse Plemons' character appears, and then when he appears, watch that second 90 minutes as a second film. And in that way, I think you'll experience it as a five-star film. If you watch it all in one go, I feel that you're going to get it as a three-star film, which is sadly my experience. I truly believe that people like Martin Scorsese, who are being funded by these streamers, are making films that are kind of too long for the theatrical experience because they don't have the discipline or the external constraint of keeping to a certain running time. And that was clearly true of his last film, The Irishman. I feel that if you had wanted to make a theatrical cut of this film, it should have been an hour shorter. And I do believe that while I love all the footage, you could have taken an hour out of this film and lost none of its narrative coherence, its political importance or its emotional resonance. And that kind of just makes me sad. I mean, this is a beautiful but very lugubrious and slow running film. Anyway, let's get to the meat of the story. This is a true crime drama. It is based on a book by David Gran, which I have read, and it's a really great book. I would highly encourage you to read it. It's not a subject I knew anything about before, and I don't think many people did. And that's why Martin Scorsese making this film is so important and so useful. So the film takes place in Osage County, Oklahoma, and it takes place starting off effectively in the wake of World War I. But just before that, the Osage First Nations discovered oil on their reservation land and became ludicrously wealthy thanks to the head rights they had to the leases on these oil wells. And of course, this is a, a people that is seen as very much second class by the white Americans. 
And so many nefarious schemes are put in place to prevent them enjoying their newfound wealth. Many of these Osage people are categorized as having to have guardianship because they are too simple to manage their own money. So although they're fabulously wealthy, they have to beg their white guardians for permission to spend it, which is so condescending and so demeaning. On top of the conservatorship, the Osage were also massively ripped off by white merchants. So if you wanted to arrange a funeral for a white man, it might cost you $30, but they're going to charge the Osage $300. And the Osage have so much money, they're paying it. And they have no choice. But it's really unfair. What this film focuses on is a kind of racial tide of murder that hit the Osage between the two wars. Tens of people were murdered. This movie focuses on the story of one family in particular and one woman in particular. So Molly Burkhardt, played beautifully by Lily Gladstone, is one of four sisters and her mother owns the head rights to the oil lease. So everyone knows that when the mother, who's very old, dies, it's going to be inherited by these four daughters. So unfortunately, these daughters start being murdered. And this isn't just the Burkhardt family. There are many other Osage who are being murdered so that people can either inherit their leases or that the leases will fall back into the common ownership. The tragedy of Molly's story in particular is that she has fallen for a guy called Ernest Burkhart, played by Leonardo DiCaprio, whose uncle, King, self-titled King Hale, played by Robert De Niro, he poses as a friend of the Osage, but he's plotting all the time to make sure that the inheritance of this family flows to his nephew Ernest. He doesn't believe the Osage deserve this money. He doesn't believe that they are good stewards of it. And as far as he's concerned, the correct racial order is that this is that the white people have the money. The crimes start off being fairly stealthy and hard to pin down, but they become more and more outrageous and more obvious. And without spoiling anything, I think there's a real emotional tragedy in the character of Ernest Burkhart, who on one level, I think, clearly does love his wife, Molly Burkhart. But on the other hand, as he keeps saying, he just loves that money even more. I sure do like that money. The final insult to the Osage is not even that their people are being murdered in record numbers, but that the police are not investigating these crimes. Because guess what? King Hale is the uh, deputy sheriff. I mean, these are places that are so beyond the bounds of the rule of law as we would understand it, especially for people of colour, that there is really no recourse to justice. It's, it's utterly tragic. And I think what Martin Scorsese does in this film that doesn't happen in the book is that he puts the Osage murders in the wider context of racial politics of this time. So he references the Tulsa massacres where, you know, white people basically can't cope with the idea that black people are wealthy and have become a successful middle class town. And he references the arrival of the Ku Klux Klan in Osage. He, re he shows that people that you meet every day on the street and think are your friends are putting on white cloaks and parading. So he kind of shows how racism has been normalized and that this is the kind of the structural underpinning of everything that takes place. So the murders happen and to get justice, the Osage literally have to go to Washington, D.C., survive being murdered there and beg and plead with J. Edgar Hoover's new FBI to come and investigate. And that's the point at which Jesse Plemons, who you will know from Friday Night Lights, um, comes in as a very young man, 
um, comes in to try and investigate these murders. And that's when you really see, in a sense, federal authority, which is by far not clean hands, but federal authority come in to this almost um, parochial, deeply corrupt town and clean it out. The structure of the film is therefore basically two hours of family life and murder, followed by 90 minutes of police and courtroom procedural. I think Jesse Plemons is one of the finest actors of his generation. You will have seen him in The Irishman as well. He brings such kind of earnest integrity to what he does, and that bleeds through onto the screen. And it's amazing to see how the nascent FBI try and break down, both getting confessions out of the people that committed the murders, but also trying to prosecute justice in a system that is rigged. So how do you get a court case successfully through when witnesses can be bribed and judges can be bribed? So it's really fascinating. There's a lovely little cameo appearance by Brendan Fraser as one of the defence lawyers, and I think you'll all enjoy that. As I said, even though I think this is really two films, it is beautifully made. I mean, some of the early visuals and the way in which Martin Scorsese shows the Osage getting their wealth and dancing in the oil, they're so powerful. The way in which this border town is constructed and its production design and construction is so, it feels so real. You feel like you know this town and these people over this running time. And that is the benefit of that longer running time. It's that you really feel you know it. The performances are phenomenal. I think that, you know, we know Robert De Niro can be great, jovial, but also sinister. Leonardo DiCaprio, I would argue this is one of his stronger roles in recent years. But it's Lily Gladstone, who I'd not seen before. And she's just magisterial as Molly Burkhart and manages to convey a lot of the nuance and to answer some of that ambiguity about how such a clever woman She seems to have Ernest's number very early on and to know exactly who he is. I mean, there's no doubt that she's smarter than him. And yet she's still attracted to him and she still marries him, even though she knows what he is. And I think some of the frustration I have with the film and indeed the story is how her love clouds her understanding of what is happening to her later on, which is why I think that middle section is is a little bit frustrating to me. Elsewhere behind the lens, I feel that Robbie Robertson's score, which is his last, unfortunately, is really great. It's kinetic. It's pulsating. It makes this very costume true crime drama feel very alive and very visceral and very contemporary. I just felt that when I watched it in the cinema, I zoned out by the end of it. And the final epilogue, which is really interesting, there's a final epilogue with Martin Scorsese doing a cameo as if he's part of a a radio show talking about these murders in retrospect. It's a really powerfully written cameo about justice, written by screenwriter Scorsese himself and Eric Roth. And Eric Roth's really interesting on matters of justice, right, because he also wrote The Insider. So it's really beautifully written, but by that point I had just zoned out. I really hope if you guys watch this in two halves, you'll have a far better experience than I did. At any rate, this is a great film. You've just got to watch it the right way. Killers of the Flower Moon has a running time of 206 minutes, my friends. It is rated R. It played the Cannes Film Festival in London 2023. And as I said, it goes on global release on October 20th, limited in cinemas, and then it will be on Apple TV+. But whatever you choose to watch this weekend, I hope you have a great time. And thank you for listening. (laughs) 